Welcome back, my friend. It's been a little while. It's always nice to chat with you. Today's culture, I mean, teens are feeling a lot of things. The teenage years are always challenging. That's why I'm so grateful for your ministry. Mm. Uh, Heartlight and, uh, of course, what you're doing with Parenting Today's Teens, which, by the way, you can catch it Saturdays at 3 in the afternoon right here on Moody Radio. So it's kind of a big question. I realize this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What are some of the unique challenges that teens are facing these days? You know, things that they are grappling with. I know some things never change, but is there anything new that our teens are having to deal with today that we didn't have to deal with? Well, I, you know, I think kids have always been curious and experimental and you know, always wanting to try out different things and look in different ways. You know, but the, but the thing that's always remained the same has been the need for relationships. And, um, and, I, and I think what's happening with our kids, just the way that they communicate, the way they engage, I mean, the way they spend time on, you know, on social media sites. And I'm not an anti-world kind of guy by any means, but Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all the rest of them, it's interesting to me that that it there's a real disconnect in relationships with one another and as a result our kids are bombarded with this comparison that always happens i mean people kind of cherry pick all the neat things in life put it out there and everybody all these kids begin to feel like well that's my life and how i need to be living so and they never live up to the expectation that's placed in social media and and so that's that always creates this world of wanting to do something different, wanting to be famous. Eighty-two percent of seventh graders that were polled two years ago said, you know, when asked, "What do you want out of life?" they said, "I want to be famous." Mm. And and so it's changed the way that kids look at life, engage with one another, develop relationships, and I think at the same time they're being bombarded with so much information and and given permission to try out so many different things in life that it's a little bit overwhelming, but it screams for a parent's involvement in the life of their teens to give them guidance and direction and share the wisdom that they've gathered throughout their life. Speaking of the social media stuff and online um, teens and cell phones, where do you stand on that? Well, it's a part of, it's a part of how we engage and, and, um, I really think what kids are doing with the amount of time that they spend on phones, like, you know, I'm in a different airport every other day. And, you know, adults spend just as much time on a phone as as uh, as teens do. But I think what kids are trying to do more than anything else on social media, um, they're trying to connect with one another. They're trying to fulfill the very thing that God's created them for, and that's for a relationship. And they're trying to find that by engaging and always keeping up and I, and so, but, but they've got this kind of this fake mentality of, of what it is to have followers and friends and likes and, and uh, they really believe that, that this is a relationship and I'm going, you know what? They don't have the kind of relationships that you and I developed when we were in high school. And as a result, they don't get that, that, you know, that, that, um, working together where, where iron sharpens iron, where they, where they mature quicker. And the American Medical Association has increased the age of adolescence, stage 27. Oh, wow. And so it, mm. it just means that, that the interaction isn't happening like it used to because they're not connected like teens used to be. And that's, that's what's changed. And, uh, and I think it's causing a lot of problems with our kids. I mean, mm. anxiety, depression, all the other things, all the things that we say that we're glad that we don't have to grow up in this culture, our kids do, and it's taken a toll on them. Mm. 
Mark has written a uh, new book, and I love this. It's a very attractive book. It's going to look good on your shelf, but even more importantly, you want to pick it up and read it. It's a it's a daily devotional, and it's, it's wonderful. Daily Hope for Families. And this is uh, a little bit of encouragement. It's not an intimidating book, but it's warm-hearted, just like uh, Mark is. Mm. And I'm so glad, Mark, you put this thing together in such an attractive format. This is great. Well, you know, it took about four years, and and, and the reason it did, I you know, I was Oklahoma Bible quiz champ of 1969, and so I've always had this passion for memorizing Scripture and finding the right Scriptures that pertain to uh, life. And and I, I think Scripture comes alive when you talk about teens or uh, relationships with teens and how parents are struggling through those adolescent years, or even grandparents who are looking for a way to be involved in the life of their teens. And so I just spent a lot of time saying, how do we connect um, the two, the Scripture with the the sense of encouragement uh, that I think we all need to remind us of the important role that we play as parents and grandparents in the life of teens. Mm. Let's talk about maybe some common mistakes or pitfalls that parents deal with. Uh, these mistakes they make when relating to their their teens. If you could list maybe a few. Yeah, you know, I I think what happens is that we we get this idea that we're a perfect parent because during the preteen years we get T-shirts and coffee mugs that say "World's Greatest Mom" and "World's Greatest Dad," and and so we think we've got it down and we've uh, we just it's working and it's working well. And then our child turns twelve or thirteen, and we begin to realize the tools that we have in our parenting toolbox aren't quite as effective as they were in the preteen years. So my comment to parents all the time is, if you think that the tools in the preteen years are going to work during the teen years, you're wrong. And and it's the only time I tell people they're wrong. And so it just means you have to shift your style of parenting to move from lecturing all the time to discussion, to move from talking all the time to more about listening, to you making decisions to your child making decisions and helping them make decisions so they can flex those decision-making muscles and have them strong to carry whatever they need to carry when they leave your home and and head out to a job or uh, to the armed services or to college or anywhere else or go to university. Um, They've got to be prepared for that time. And so it's really shifting from a, a teaching mode in those early years to a training mode and, and engaging differently so you're offering your kids what they desperately need from you. Well, that's good. It's almost like uh, teaching them as well. It's transferring. You know, we, we want to teach them to be independent, but really maybe yeah. a better way to look at this is we want to have their dependence. We want to transfer their dependence on us to dependence on God. That could be a great goal, huh? Well, it really could be. You know, I, I think what we do is we send kids off sometimes, and they're still dependent on us. And with the lack of our presence, whatever the next stage of life is, they don't get the wisdom and the counsel. Um, but I think there's another piece here, too. I think our kids are some bombarded with information. When you and I grew up, information doubled, codified information doubled every 13 years, and it's now doubling every hour and a half. And what that means is our kids are just being bombarded constantly. You and I had three channels watching TV when we grew up. Now <laughs> yeah. I have 900 channels, you yeah. know. It's overwhelming. And, and it is. And and I think what's happening with kids is, and, and a great concern that I have, is that they're now looking at Scripture as just another piece of information rather than the wisdom 
that it is for us how to live life and how to take those principles of right living and apply them. And so I think the greatest challenge that parents have is to say, here's the things we taught you in your preteen years. Now, let's spend your teen years helping you apply those things to your life so that so you can flesh those things out. And a parent's role in that is to not just talk about it all the time, but allowing the word to become flesh and dwelling among your child, just like God did with us, to let that scripture come out in such a way that that they not only hear it, but now they're seeing it. And they're seeing a living example of somebody that's pursuing that relationship with God before them so that they might be encouraged. And I, and I think that's the, one of the greatest challenges that, that parents have, taking the values, principles, those biblical standards and, and beliefs and transferring in transferring them into very practical ways of engagement so that it encourages a child and lets them know that there's hope in this world. Mark Gregston from Parenting Today's Teens is spending some time with us here this morning. You know, something that I observed when my boys were in the teen years, um, you talk about listening, making sure you're a good listener and, and really being involved and being present with your teens. I think one of the challenging things for me was, you know, I would try to put them on my schedule to sit down and talk yeah. and listen. Nine times out of 10, uh, I'm exhausted. It's like 11 o'clock at night and they're <laughs> wide awake and they want to have these yeah, discussions. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, it's just the timing yeah. was off, but you, you got to take the opportunity when it presents itself. You really do. And if you don't, they're going to find somebody else to listen to them. You know, I, I think it's important, and, and one of the things that I sure have found out in growing up, even with my own kids, and, and, and you know, my son is 40-some years old, my daughter's 45, I've got grandkids that are 22 and 17, and I, you know, I mean, so you just learn, and, and the grandkids are kind of a do-over, a mulligan, and you get to try again, mm-hmm. but I made mistakes with my son, and... Um, and one of those mistakes was when he needed me the most, I wasn't there. And when he needed me the most was when he was making mistakes. And this one particular mistake was he was having an affair with somebody nine months after he married another gal. And, and, I, and I, you know, I was so proud and, and thinking, I know everything right and I know everything good, that I said, you know, when you call her father and apologize for what you've done, then I'll be happy to spend time with you. And I really thought that was the manly and godly thing to say. Hmm. What I found was it was quite the opposite. And what I really did was abandon my son at the time that he needed me the most. And and I have regretted that forever. And I constantly remind him of, of my sorrow that I felt of not being there when he needed me. I mean, he went through a miserable part of life. And, and, I, think, and, and, and I think one of the things that I encourage parents is that is to is to always remain engaged. Hmm. Don't disengage because they're doing something wrong or you hear something that that isn't lining up with what you believe. That's when they need you more than anything else. And so even this book, I mean, I we we push books, but but I push relationship. And the relationship is I push is don't forget about your child, not just during those times that they need you, um, but they but when they want you desperately involved in their life, it, it's when they're messing up. It's when they're causing problems. It's when they're doing things that are against your wishes. That's when they need you the most. 
Mark, thank you for being so honest and transparent about that. Um, that hits home. It's, uh, you know, there are folks listening this morning, no doubt, who are mm. dealing with some of these very challenges. So thank you for doing that. Hey, before I let you go, you mentioned uh, grandkids and mulligans and do-overs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of grandparents <laughs> who, who are listening to us uh, here this morning. What do you want to say to the grandparents who have uh, grandchildren who are teens? Well, you know, God's keeping you around, um, not where you can just play shuffleboard the rest of your life. You know, I mean, he, he needs you involved in the life of your of your teen grandkids, and he can use you. He, he doesn't want you to be a, a parent on steroids. He wants you to be a grandparent, you know, and just as Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your soul. Your teen grandkids need a place to park, to settle, to come over and spend time, whether that's through texting or whether it's, you know, Zooming with one another or it's FaceTiming or whatever. They need to know that there's ears out there and hearts that are open to listen to their struggles and difficulties and hardship because they need your wisdom desperately. And so my encouragement has always been to grandma and grandpa, stay engaged. It's not the time to let go. It's the time to embrace and to to figure out how you engage more and more with your teen grandchildren. Great conversation, Mark. You are always welcome to join us. I enjoy our conversations (laughs) a whole bunch. Thanks, Kurt. Appreciate it so much.